1: The the first thing I want to mention, of course, you're going to be one of the four new national hosts. How excited is that for you?
0: I'm excited. There's a lot of trepidation, too, which I think is normal and healthy. Uh, It's a big change. It's a big change for me, personally, it's a big change for Canadians. they may not even understand yet but it's 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 good it's good to be part of something that's new that we can sort of create and mold and have a big say in that's fun
1: now i've seen the press release Mm -hmm. of what the new national is going to be uh i just want to know a little bit more detail because you know we're used to seeing mansbridge or wendy and It's the one host. Yeah. If it, it's like Peter's away at night, you get Wendy. Yeah. Um so with four and then all different locations, mm-hmm. how is it going to work?
0: So without giving everything away, first of all, there will there's so there's four different hosts, four, three different locations. There will be a fewer stories actually on the show we are we are going from the assumption that by 10 o'clock 9 o'clock 10 o'clock 11 o'clock at night people know what has happened during the day we we cannot come on and pretend that there's been a hurricane like everybody knows it's too late now so the idea is to take a story whether it be the hurricane or something else, and dig into it in a different way. Bring more context, bring in more analysis, bring some in-depth stuff, ask some questions and answer them that maybe you haven't asked through the day. So there's that part of it. And then there will be, you know, hosts will have different segments. I will have At Issue, which I'm very happy about on Thursday still. And we will really just try and put the focus on stories you don't know, uh, original stories, new ways of telling stories. And I think the four-person thing, because a lot of people don't understand, we're not rotating days. We are all on every day, unless someone is out working on a story, because the idea is that we are also journalists, so we're going to go out and do things. Or if there's events, we'll go out and cover things, like the Las Vegas shooting. One or two of us would have gone for that. And because we're in different time zones, particularly Andrew, it means that the show can be hot. Lots of people don't realize this, but The National, (laughs) when it was taped, after it was done, sometimes at ten, sometimes at eleven, Peter got went to go home, right? And then that's the show that you saw on the West Coast, and that was fine, unless it wasn't, unless something happened. So we will, the three of us that are in the Eastern Time Zone, will be there until eleven, and then Andrew will still be there until two Eastern, which is eleven Pacific. And so if things are happening in the world, he will be able to update and refresh the show, or throw things out and rebuild things as needed. So I think it. It is a better, it will be better just in terms of being able to represent the country and what's happening across the country better for all time zones. Okay. that, Does makes that give sense. you an yeah, idea. That okay. A lot more detail. <laughs> okay. Good. Good. I just had to explain it to some people in the newsroom. So. <laughs> yeah, no, it's very in depth. So that was good. Good.
1: So let's go back to the beginning. Uh, back home in Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. That's where you kind of got your start. You graduated from, and I'm going to butcher this because I'm a okay. Newfoundlander. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. uh, University de Saint Bonfance.
0: Bonifance.
1: There you go. See, yeah. in my mind, bonfons means. Happy face.
0: No, that would be bun- fast. bunny fast Bunny-fast. It's bunny-fast. <laughs> sort of, I guess. Yeah.
1: You, and then, of course, you went to Carlton to do your master's mm-hmm. in journalism, so that's alumni right there. Very good. You returned home to be a researcher for CBC's French Station, RDI. How did that all come about?
0: So that actually I did at the same time as I was doing my BA, which was in French literature. And I had a poli-sci prof at uh, Collège University de Saint-Boniface, is actually an affiliate of the University of Manitoba, the Francophone College. And he just knew that there was this opening for a researcher and suggested my name. They asked me and I somehow balance that job with school. And so that was my first foray into journalism and into TV. And I would, uh, French is my second language, but I would uh, research and chase guests. I would write green, and I would roll the teleprompter, which I'm very proud of because I think that you know journalism is one of those jobs where you have to like go through the ranks, and you really can't get more bottom of the barrel than r- rolling the teleprompter. So I, I've I've done all those things. I've done the teleprompter. Yeah, it's 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 interesting in a sense. It's quite of, stressful. Too, yeah, quite stressful. You're a rookie, and, and then
1: they're tossing you in there with like yeah. one of their big hosts. And yeah. Sometimes and you'll you hear could him, screw it up. Yeah, yeah. and you'll hear them yeah. in the mic go like. Tell him to slow it down. Yeah. And you're like, I have a name. Yes. I, yes. <laughs> Tell me how you got interested in journalism.
0: I don't really know. You know, I just uh, I I got that taste of it, and I liked uh, I immediately liked TV. I liked the immediacy of it. I liked the power of it, how you can bring people to places. And it just started to make sense with some of the other things that I like to do: talking, writing, communicating. And so I applied to um, to Carlton. I got in. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and that's a tough program to get into. Is it the, ma- the Is master? It? Yes, <laughs> I don't
0: know. Okay, good.
1: <laughs> That's what I've been told.
0: Okay, good. Let's go with that. <laughs> uh,
1: and of course, uh, you worked with Global as a national yes. assembly of Quebec correspondent, mm-hmm. a role you took at CBC yep. until you became like a parliament. Mm-hmm. What kind of got you into politics? Because out of all those four hosts. I look at you as being the most political savvy and now it's nothing it's the other three because no, I don't want them no. to phone tomorrow and be like, listen, no. we're not doing your interview now. I
0: think they would agree that I'm the person that loves it the most, that is yeah. the nerdiest about it. I honestly was not that into politics. I, I know lots of people are think that's very surprising. I mean, I took poli-sci classes, so, you know, I knew some basics. But then when I moved to Quebec, I was initially a general reporter in Quebec and then I became the National Assembly reporter. And it was at a time where separatism was still thriving, might be too strong a word, but still present. Jean Charest had just come back to Quebec to save the Quebec Liberals. There was the rise of a new party led by marie Dumont. So there was a lot going on. And Quebecers have a very intense feeling about politics. They're very passionate about it because there is often so much at stake for them. And somehow that sort of got transferred to me, that passion. And I learned a lot uh, from some pretty formidable politicians and, and French reporters while I was there. And I just really haven't looked back. There's lots of things that I like about it. Uh, I, I really like trying to understand motivation and tactics, you know, why people are doing something, if they're laying traps for people to fall into politically. But I also, uh, as I've grown and and the more time I've spent here, really appreciate Important conversations about public policy, and that might sound boring, but I like trying to understand what governments are trying to do to help people and why they're trying to do it, and and then trying to identify gaps or holes that they need to fix and and, and people that they need to help more.
1: And I think you see that in your own show, and like yeah, because in 2015 you took over power politics. Yeah. Now I want to give you credit because there's a lot of journalists out there that say when you took over. They, they liked your style of, it's, I, I like to call it a pitbull kind of style mm-hmm. of more or less like you don't take someone's shit. Mm-hmm. You just basically, you're going to call someone out on their phoniness. In case of the immigration minister, mm-hmm. I believe uh, you told them that he was dodging the question. Yeah. Do you ever worry when you do that, that the guests won't return or that other guests will not come back?
0: Well, I think, I mean, I think there's a, there's a few things. You have to always be respectful to someone, particularly politicians who are, you know, they believe in what they're doing. They're committed to what they're doing. They represent people. So I, I'm always respectful of them and, and their positions, but I don't. As you say, like taking shit. Uh, and I particularly don't be like being lied to. so and and, I, and the reason I don't like that is is not because of me. It's because my job is to provide answers and information for people. And if I know that they're not telling me the truth or they're not answering a question, then I have to do my job and say, well, you're not doing this and you're not answering that or that's not true. And And I have to do that because otherwise what are people getting out of it, right? That's my job is to get information correct information and call people on it when they're not. Now, I have had people who have been upset after interviews, but the vast majority of them have not been. Most people seem to think that I am relatively fair. If I'm not, they call me and tell me. We hash it out. But most politicians understand the nature, the dynamic. And I would point out that in the case of the interview you're talking about, Chris Alexander actually showed up the next day. Yeah. for another interview and did the interview that he probably should have done the first day. So I personally think that politicians do best when they are not lying or, or trying to avoid telling the truth. There there are ways to frame answers to make it sound better, for sure, yeah. but lying usually doesn't ever work. It, it seems like it's a tough spot
1: to be as a journalist because you kind of want to make sure like the guest, you get along with the guests, but the same point is your job as a journalist is to get the facts. And when someone's not giving you that and mm-hmm. you kind of know it, you're kind of like, do I step over the boundary and say, no, that's not right. And like mm-hmm. kind of make the person look kind of foolish mm-hmm. and jeopardize a relationship there. Mm-hmm. Or do you kind of lay back and then have people come after you and say, well, now you're on their side.
0: Yeah. Well, I would never uh, be worried about making someone look foolish because I actually don't think I'm making them look foolish. They make themselves look foolish, right? By not knowing what they're talking about or not telling the truth or not being honest. I actually think it looks worse if I sit back and don't say anything because I know that at home my mom is saying why did she let him get away with that or why did so-and-so say like that that to me is 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 what people expect of me they don't expect me just to say oh okay yeah you said that to me 16 times now and not giving me an answer no problem yeah. like they expect me to be, be to be tough and there's lots of politicians whom I have been very tough on and they still um, you know get along with me and we have a cordial relationship we are not supposed to be friends. No. Uh, we are supposed... Nor are we supposed to be enemies. We are supposed to have a working relationship. And I think most people who I've interviewed understand that. And, and, the, yeah. and that's what you want
1: them to do. Like, I think everyone kind of knows where their platform is. and that's knows right. like What their job is. Yeah. yeah. Like she's yeah, a journalist. Sure. She's yeah. going to come after me. Or, like, yeah. at certain points, if she thinks I'm not right. being honest. But, like, once the interview's done, it's not... If you kind yeah. of get along with them, yeah, it's great. But it's not to a point where they're like, no, that was terrible i'm not doing that anymore well
0: i think i think the only time that someone could be legitimately angry with you is if you really disrespected them and treated them badly but if you were doing your job respectfully and always keeping the audience in mind i don't think anyone can come to you after and and say that
1: you've interviewed some big names we had uh, Justin Trudeau uh, Trump's kind of chief of staff now as well John Kerry mm-hmm. is there one that really stands out for you
0: people always ask me that question and i never have a very good answer i'm afraid um, you know every, it's always good to do interviews with big important people because you get to ask them questions and and try and understand their way of thinking you know i like interviewing people trying to make a difference or people who are promoting a particular policy or whatever all sorts of things so yeah there's no one interview that i've done in my life and i thought wow that was amazing you know there's some cool moments but yeah in in doing all the
1: the interview process do do you ever go in like when you see who you got on your guest list do you go do you ever get nervous has that ever come to mind like even when you're doing shows now like even your last show did you ever kind of get nervous of thinking like This is it. Like, this is my last
0: show. My last show, I was, uh, I don't know if nervous is the right word. I was very emotional. I was very sad because it's a job that I really loved and didn't really want to leave it. But how do you turn down the other job? So that day, I was just hoping I could hold it together and not um, cry. which I didn't do. So that was good. Do I ever get nervous? I like very rarely get nervous. And and the way I sort of fend that off is I just really spend a lot of time preparing. The John Kerry interview, I prepared a long time. I recently (laughs) interviewed the Ukrainian president. Me and a producer worked really hard on background and questions. And she did a lot of, made a lot of calls to make sure we were on the right page with things we were asking. So, I mean, I, I, I might get, I don't know, nervous is the right word. I just feel like preparation helps you not feel so nervous so that you can just get in the zone and sort of do your thing.
1: I agree. I mean, I've come from a background where I've learned to public speak through the yeah. school years yeah. and that kind of helps. Yeah. I, I find today's youth not to like kind of get mean, but now when they're in school, they get the option of they they can pass or get a zero and I'm like, that's not going to help you long term. No. Well, of course, you just talked about your career. So let's get into the national part mm-hmm. of things. I, I like to believe that you will be the political host of it, of it all, like more or less the one that's going to really take the political control. The one thing I want to mention is, do you do you ever think when you're going to do the political side that you might get too into politics and that the, the hosting part will like lose its, uh, I guess, nostalgia? Because I know with uh, hosts like Peter or Wendy, you just see them host, but now where you have the background of the political show, do you ever kind of think how is that going to cross over?
0: Well, I mean, certainly they want us all to play to our expertise and we all have different areas of expertise but they also want us to uh, sort of expand and, and grow obviously as hosts and, and journalists. So that's very good. And I do have lots of interests outside of politics so hopefully I'll be able to find places to, to feed into that and, and see that. I, I don't think I'll be pigeonholed. I don't, I don't think they want me to be. Peter also had a very big affinity for politics um, which you know, made him drive sort of the show in that direction. I'll certainly continue to do that from my perspective. But because there's four of us, I do think it'll sort of, we'll be able to balance out interests in a different way that maybe people didn't expect. And I also think because there's four of us and, you know, one of us could go off and do a story, that will allow me to go. And if I want to leave Ottawa and not do a story here, I can go and do that, you know? And and so maybe people will be surprised by some of the things that I do. You know, not that it's going to be a bunch of fluffy stuff, but maybe there'll be some stories that I will go and do and you'll be like oh i didn't know she knew anything about that and and that's what makes it appealing um i am going on the road next week to do a story in thunder bay about indigenous kids and like that's something i've been wanting to do for a really long time and haven't had time to do it because when you're doing a two-hour live show it's way too demanding so it'll allow me to go and put some public put some real people faces to things that are maybe being discussed in Ottawa, but in a different way.
1: What can we expect from Rosemary Barton as the host of The National?
0: Well, I think think you can expect what people have come to expect of me. You can expect me to care about politics a lot, to push those stories, to try and do accountability interviews, to try and get important people to talk to me. I think those are all things you should expect. But I think you should also be ready to see other parts of me. I do like to laugh a lot. (laughs) So I probably will do that. I love to read, so you you know I would love to do some some interviews with authors. I like music. I like fashion. There's other things I like food. Like there's other parts of me, and if there's ways to treat news and get some access to those other parts of Rosemary, I think um, I think that would be great for me, and I think it would be good for for other Canadians because then it it, it allows me to tap into other Canadians, not just this little bubble here in Ottawa.
1: That kind of tied it right to the ex, my next Good. question. Good. Oh,
0: I'm doing very well. I didn't even know that. It said, what in.
1: aspects are you really looking forward to? And yeah. I mean, you you named a whole bunch of ones. And yeah. I, I like that because, you know, it, it's I look at it from your standpoints, so if each one of you are really well at doing a certain task. Mm-hmm. And now that you've got the four national hosts... We get to see you in other spotlights that's like right. I didn't even know Ian was like a very sports guy oh, yeah yeah. and like when I read that I was just like okay cool I knew we covered yeah. the Vancouver yeah. like Stanley Cup yeah. rides but never knew that no. Um. and now we know that you like to laugh you like food things like <laughs> something that maybe a lot of people don't get to no, see no
0: that's right and, ah. yeah and hopefully we'll hopefully we'll all be able to do a little bit of <laughs> unexpected things. thing um, now of
1: course we're both Carlton alumni mm-hmm. uh, you recently were at Carlton you meant, or Actually, you mentioned that, Carlton, to students to step outside their comfort zone. What do you think that means in your eyes for your comfort zone?
0: Uh, well, it will be to step outside of politics, to go places that maybe I didn't expect to go, to get my hands dirty maybe in, in different ways. To listen to, to people that I feel like maybe aren't always listened to or heard, to find those people. And to to let them know that those stories, their concerns matter in some way. Um, it's sort of read out those stories that maybe aren't getting attention. So a little bit that, and yeah, to to go places where I might be scared to go.
1: I like that response compared to when you if you go to a school or university and then you tell people like. We've seen it. Our, our generation on Facebook always scroll through the videos and we'll see like a Jim Carrey or a Lisa Kudrow telling you like, they got fired from Frasier yeah. and go fail and like see what happens. And you're thinking like, yeah, I will go fail. <laughs> but, like, but then when you, when, and then you look at it, you're like, yeah, but then they found their break. So yeah. like, how hard is it for you to take them kind of seriously? Like... You read the stories of how certainly even aspects of in this job how wendy or peter got in their door and you're looking at me like that would never happen today. oh
0: yeah no it wouldn't like, the way peter they, got discovered that would never happen you like, could go be an announcer at an airport for the rest of your life that's all yeah, you will do
1: yeah. it's, like, it's like that's why i look at now and i think it's not to like blame a school system or whatnot but when you're 17 18 going to school you're just trying to figure out what do you want to do yeah. and then when an internship yeah. comes up you're thinking like well I'm too scared to go outside yeah. my bubble yeah. and then that comes back 10 years later you're okay. thinking like should have stepped outside the bubble
0: yeah I mean I when people ask me what's the, your best advice for journalists my best advice is always go somewhere go somewhere far away go somewhere small go somewhere where people don't care if you're making mistakes you're not going to be the top reporter in Toronto or in Ottawa or Vancouver so guess what Go to Regina, go to Thunder Bay, go to Sudbury, go to places where you can have a good start, you can learn things, you can work your way up because unfortunately that's how journalism works. You can make mistakes, have bad haircuts, wear bad clothes. Nobody will know. Nobody will care. And then, you know, the harder you work, uh, you you will start to get breaks and you will start to move into bigger markets and figure things out. A, A lot of journalism, some of journalism is luck. Being in the right place at the right time, most of it is hard work.
1: I think mm-hmm. someone showed you my questions beforehand. No, I that's didn't. Because like that was the last thing I yeah. said was literally, "I'll read it." It's yeah. Like, Lassie, Rosalie, congrats on all
0: <laughs> the success. Great to see another <laughs> alumni doing
1: well. If you had one message for the next yeah. wave of journalists, what would it be? It's that.
0: That's what. And that's there that. you go. Yeah. There you go. It's and it's and and be curious. Ask ask yourself questions all the time. And you know, even I do this now. I'll say you know, you really don't know enough about uh, the economy. You need to start reading those the business pages more. I'll do that for myself because, or you don't understand what's happening in Myanmar. Spend the next three days just reading articles about Myanmar. It, it is a job where, yes, it's super demanding. You're always under pressure. There's lots going on. But it is a job where learning, learning new things, is actually what you're supposed to be doing all the time. I don't know any other job like that where they want you to sit there and understand things um and so that's that's what you should try and foster you know and keep out that's going to do it for this episode of Tobin tonight our thanks to Rosemary Barton for coming on the show remember you can find past present and future episodes on Tobin Tonight.com, Spotify and iTunes follow us on Twitter like us on Facebook and leave a comment or two For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob saying thanks for listening and good night.